Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Well, we have a, a guest speaker with us today, as I mentioned, and um, I, I love the ministry that they have. Uh, it's a, called Manna Worldwide, and Craig will tell you more about that, but uh, I'm going to do it real briefly. We, Dave, Pastor Dave and I and our daughters and Kurt Winslow and, his, and some others went on a trip with Manna uh, to Panama a number of years ago, 2000. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. Anyway, and just impressed because Manna brings together these two things. I mean, you know, there are lots of hungry children in the world, right? Really hungry. I mean, here in the United States, we have hunger insecurity, but, but there's people who don't have anything. Uh, and so they provide nutrition centers in areas like that that are connected with a church or a missionary. And it's a great way of bringing the gospel. I, I'm making your presentation for you, Craig. Why don't you come on up here? They also have orphanages. Come on up, Craig. They have orphanages around the world. They do the same thing. Um, Craig is, uh, works in Asia all over the place. And Asia is really big and really needs the gospel. It's, it's in that window. Remember a few weeks back we talked about the 1040 window? That's where he's working. Okay, so I'll let you finish. Right? I like it. I like it. I like it. That's fine. He was, he was doing a good job. I'll just let him go. You know, he's probably doing better than I'll do. So uh, give, uh, grant, grant me grace since he did such a good job explaining what I do. Um, Amber, I need you to come back up here and be my hype lady again. There you are. I was trying to find you. Uh, I, I liked that. I like the whole, you know, just behind him going, uh, so like, I need you to come and sit up here. And every time I say something that's like sort of good, make it better. You know what I'm saying? Can you do that? We're good. Okay. All right. All right. I like it. I like it. Class participation. <laughs> um, well, church, I am Craig Alsop, as Pastor uh, said. Uh, my family and I are missionaries with an organization called Mana Worldwide. And, uh, and, and if you've slept since I was here three years ago, you probably don't remember all that that entails. And so I'm going to give a, uh, a quick overview of kind of what all we do and where we uh, work. I'm also going to give uh, a quick overview of how my family ended up doing this weird job. Um, we, uh, we didn't expect to be missionaries. Uh, we, we, we were unexpected missionaries, right? Um, we thought that we'd do our normal careers and that we'd go and live sort of the American dream. And, uh, and we did that for a little while. And then God said, there's something different. There's something better for you. And, uh, and so thank the Lord. Uh, he also provided a way for us to step into that. And uh, he provided a path for us uh, to go forward into that. So um, Mana Worldwide is, oh, yeah, good. You got my family up there. So I'll tell you about my family first. So this is me, uh, my, the least important one in the photo. Uh, my wife, Jennifer, and then my kiddos, Sarah and Jude. And uh, Sarah is uh, tall. And she just turned 12 years old, and I don't know if you could tell because I'm up on this riser, but I'm not tall. Um, but uh, somehow, should we call her the giant of the family? Uh, she's going to outpace all of us, we're pretty sure. Um, but she's 12, and then my son Jude is 9, and um, we are uh, a family on mission uh, together, uh, mostly. 
So my kids homeschool. Uh, we get to travel around the United States. We get to speak in churches like this one, though my family's not with me today, strangely. Um, and we get to challenge people uh, to step out in faith, to say yes to God. We get to challenge people to do whatever it is that God has put in front of you, because if you are a follower of Jesus, then follow is an active verb. It's an active term. It's, it's a thing that we're supposed to step. We're supposed to move. And so uh, when we find ourselves stuck and stagnant and, and, and still, then there might be a problem, right? Um, and so we get to challenge people to step forward into the mission that God has for them. Uh, we also get to uh, raise funds within the United States because we have been blessed uh, like no other people on the face of the planet ever with resources to make an impact in the world. Um, and that impact is a lot cheaper and actually uh, a little bit simpler than we might imagine. Um, and the other thing that we get to do, uh, as Pastor Walt uh, talked about a little bit, is uh, mission trips. We get to, uh, as we go around to these churches, we get to challenge people to step out in faith to also go on mission trips with us, with me leading, us leading, and us doing all of the logistics that most people don't know how to do. And so we get to put it all together, join a group of people together. We get to take you over and we get to serve people who desperately need to know about Jesus, who also desperately need their physical needs met, and we can help to meet those needs on a mission trip. So uh, this, I'm going to go ahead and say it right now. I'm going to say it at the end again, just in case you miss it right now. Um, you're invited. Uh, like, you're invited. I've taken everybody from the age of like two or three years old with my son going on mission trips all the way up to 78, 79 years old on mission trips. And these are not to the simplest places, to places like Nepal or Mongolia or the Philippines or Cambodia or Thailand. But we'll take care of you. So you're good. Uh, come on. You're invited. Um, Man of Worldwide works now in about 50 countries. Uh, we work alongside missionaries and pastors who are there locally in these places, full-time, long-term. They've been there, they know the language, and they know what the people need. Uh, often, they're from these places, or they've had extensive experience there, and they've got connections there that tell them, this community needs a blank. If we just had an orphanage to get kids off the street and keep them from being uh, trafficked. If we just had a school so kids had opportunity to be raised up to know not only Jesus, but to know also how to move forward in life and to move their communities forward. Medical clinics, uh, nutrition centers, where kids are still living with their parents, but for one reason or another, they don't have adequate food within the home. And so we could take that sort of monkey off of the parents' back so that the parents can then pay for school or pay for whatever or keep the lights on or make sure that they uh, can do all the things that a family needs to do, right? And so we come alongside them with these pastors, with these missionary partners in 50 countries around the world to say these people matter and to say they matter so much to us and we know that they matter to Jesus 
that we're going to take a step and come out and serve them and love them and take care of them. So we have orphanages, schools, medical clinics, nutrition centers. We dig water wells all alongside local churches so that people can see Jesus in the way that we serve people, the way that we love people, the way that we provide for people and care for people who don't have a safety net. There's no government safety net in the countries that we work and so we can lift those people out of their physical poverty while at the same time lifting them out of their spiritual poverty. Because people, um, people don't get reached until they're reachable, my pastor says. They don't get reached until they're reachable. And sometimes getting reachable looks like being at your most desperate physical space, your most desperate physical need. And so we meet them right there and we say, not only that, but this. This is the good news of the gospel. It's that Jesus loves you so much. Not only did he give his life for you so that you could come to faith in him, but he loves you so much that he also sends people half the world away to serve you, to give to you, and to make sure that you know that you're loved. Right? So that's what we do with manna. Um, my family, uh, like I said, we didn't mean to be missionaries. It sort of fell upon us. Um, God, uh, God has a way of doing that sometimes. I don't know if you, if you know that. You probably are thinking, yeah, I remember that time, right? 2005, my wife and I got married, and um, we grew up in uh, Mississippi, small town Mississippi in particular. We didn't know anybody who owned a passport um, when we got married, and uh, we were like, uh, we, we must remedy this. Um, we, we've got to go. We've got to see the world. We've got to do something different, right? And so for the first two and a half years of our marriage, we decided that we were never going to go on dates, that I was never going to buy her flowers, that we weren't going to go out to the movies, that we were going to eat in, play board games, and eat spaghetti with no meat. You know what I'm saying? Beans and rice, that kind of thing, right? Uh, beans and rice and spaghetti with no meat. That was our jam. That was our jam. And so we decided we're going to do that for two and a half years. And we're going to work all the jobs we can possibly work because what else is there to do if you're not going and spending money, right? And we were going to take all of that money, put it in a bank account, and at the end of two and a half years, we were going to sell everything, we are going to quit everything, and we are going to go travel the world. Not bad, right? Pretty cool. Uh, kind of nuts. Uh, my parents, her parents, they were like, I think they got together and came to the consensus that we'd survive for about a month and then the money would run out and we'd come home. Turns out they didn't know how much money we'd saved. Quit everything. We sold everything. July 2008, we started traveling and we went to Fiji first because why not? And uh, we ended up traveling for 16 months. We went to 76 countries on six continents, um, right? Goals. Um, and so... Uh, we got to go and experience the world, see the world, really for the first time, for either one of us. And really, uh, beyond like the commercials on TV that tell you about the starving kids in Africa, we didn't know anything about the world. Like we thought there were just like maybe a couple little pockets in Africa where somebody was hurting. And then we started traveling. We uh, went up into Indonesia and into Southeast Asia after we left Fiji. And we began to see poverty like we'd never seen it before. We saw families that were literally selling their children to survive 
in hopes that even though their children would be used and abused, their children would somehow make it through that and survive because the traffickers would want to feed them to keep them alive. Twisted logic, yeah? But that's what happens when people are so desperate physically and so desperate spiritually. You see, Jesus changes everything. Jesus means that we love our neighbor as ourself. Jesus means that a community shouldn't suffer if there are Christians in it. So we began to travel through Asia and see this poverty. We went to Nepal and we had this grand idea that we were going to hike to Mount Everest base camp. And then we got altitude sickness. And it turns out living in Mississippi your whole life doesn't make you great at high altitudes. (laughs) So we get off the mountain and we ended up volunteering in an orphanage because we didn't have anything better to do. And my wife... uh, slash the Holy Spirit led us to an orphanage one day and said, why don't we do something useful while we're here? Right? It wasn't my heart. I was like, okay. We go to an orphanage and we start volunteering. We fall in love with some kids and those kids grabbed our hearts and God put those kids in front of us to grab our hearts because of what would happen in the coming years. We finished our travels around the world. We made it home. We started supporting kids in Nepal. We continued in our prayers for like, God, what do we do? Why did you show us all this need? And now we don't know how to help. So we gave, started to give. It's probably a good start. But what's next? We ended up in a church that taught us missions and introduced us to Bruce O'Neill who founded Manna Worldwide. And Bruce looked at me across a lunch table one day and he said, uh, we have been praying for and needing more missionaries for Asia to work with manna. We need in particular somebody who has contacts and connections within the Hindu world of Nepal and India because we've got more and more projects starting there and the need is massive. And I said, I know the need is massive. And he says, why don't you do something about it? I'm like, okay, what? And he said, come on board with us. Quit your job, sell your house, sell your car. Sounds familiar. (laughs) And then it dawns on me, maybe he had us do all of that then so that we could do all of that when it mattered. So, 2015, quit everything, sell everything. Start traveling, raise our personal support and get to start doing this work that we love so much and seeing lives impacted for Jesus. So that's the Cliff Notes version of our story. I can tell you 900 other uh, extraneous rabbit trail stories uh, if you'd like to talk after service. Um, We can miss lunch and all that good stuff. It'll be fine. So this morning, I want to talk with you a little bit about audacity. I want to talk with you a little bit about taking bold risks for Jesus. Uh, Because, uh, not because my life is such a story of that, um, though there have been times where we've, you know, we've had to step out in faith, right? Quitting everything again, selling everything, starting this missionary journey. Um, But because because I believe God has that for all of us. Um, And I believe that we can miss it if we don't focus on it. Um, And it won't be just missed opportunity for God 
to use you in a mighty way and for something else extraneous to happen, it'll be a missed opportunity for you personally. Because what I've seen as we've served people and loved people and cared about people and had family, um, you know, people that we consider family spring up all over the world as we get to serve them and then we realize that what they do is they point us back to Jesus more and more. And I always tell um, the kids, like, especially in our orphanage in Nepal that I'm going to talk about a little bit, um, I always tell them, like, you guys see, you know, I buy a plane ticket, I fly over here, I do all the things, right? And I bring gifts and all that stuff to you. But what you don't see is that you give more to me than I could ever give to you. Sometimes that's what we miss, church. Like we miss that step of faith when we miss out on the opportunity that God puts in front of us because we're afraid or because we don't know what to do or because we don't feel like we've checked all the right boxes of like, oh, I'm not educated in that, right? We miss more than we'll ever give because God just returns so much back to us in our service, through our service. So I want to talk with us about a willingness to take bold risks because I think it takes bold risk in our lives sometimes. I think most of the time it does, honestly. Um, in Mark 9, uh, verses 2 through 8, um, it's a pretty big passage of Scripture, but I want to read it to you. Um, and after six days, so Jesus has been teaching people. He's been talking to people. He's been sharing this good news of the kingdom, right? And, um, and, and then the Bible says, and after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, like he grabs his three best dudes, right? And he goes up the mountain. He led them up a high mountain by themselves and he's transfigured before them. And his clothes became radiant, intensely white as no one on earth could bleach them, right? This is odd, we can say that, right? Can, we're okay with that? This is odd. And I think when odd things happen in the Bible, we should pay attention. I don't know. I think maybe it's, it's, you know, it's just one of those things. supposed to grab our attention. Something happens. Jesus is completely changed in front of them. His clothes become radiant, uh, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter, oh, Peter. In the South, we'd say, bless his heart. You know what I'm saying? Y'all got that up here? No? Okay. At least you've heard it in TV? Okay. Um, <laughs> Peter said to Jesus, because Peter had to say something, if you know Peter at all, right? Peter had to say something. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Stop. This incredible moment happens and Peter goes, you know what, it's good that I'm here. It's good that me and the guys are here, right? I, I don't know. I don't know if he said it in that way, but I read it in that way because that's hilarious. I don't, know. I don't think the Bible has to be boring. I think it's pretty funny at times. Peter says to Jesus, it's great that we're here. And Jesus is looking around at Elijah and Moses and looking at himself and going, yeah, it's pretty good you're here, Peter, I guess. Uh, 
And then Peter rambles on and he says, let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. And here's the telling part. For he did not know what to say, but they were terrified. But listen, I don't know. This, I, I read this because it's hilarious to you, honestly. Uh, but also I read this because Peter took a bold risk in the moment. Peter was the guy that was always going to step forward. He was always going to say something. He was always going to do something. And half the time, okay, more than half the time, he was a little wrong. But Jesus can correct you when you're moving. You get it? Pastor Walt and I were sitting in the car last night, and we're sitting, and we had it in park. And I said, you know, in our Christian lives, if we're in park, God can't use us. Like if we're in park and we're comfortable with what we've got and we're comfortable with what we're doing and we've just decided to sit it out there, how does God use us to do something more? But as soon as we start moving, as soon as we shift it out of park, God, even if we're going the wrong direction, can begin to close doors and open doors and just engage with us and us with him so that he leads us somewhere that we never imagined going in the first place. Peter was always willing to take a bold risk, to step up and say something or do something. It doesn't have to be that you know the whole story. It doesn't have to be that you know exactly the right thing to do. But it does have to be that we step forward and we keep moving and we keep looking for what God has for us. At least it has to be that way if we want to be a greater part of what God's doing here on earth. He did not know what to say for they were terrified and a cloud overshadowed them and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son, listen to him. And suddenly looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus so in this moment, God speaks audibly for only the second time about Jesus as far as what we're told in the Bible, like directly about Jesus. God speaks. The first time was when he said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased in Matthew three seventeen, And then there's this time, this is my beloved son. Listen to him in Mark 9, 7. And I think that when he says, listen to him, he probably means... Listen to him. Like, do what he says to do. I don't know. Maybe that's me reading into it too much. I mean, that's pretty simple, right? Listen to him. Do what he says to do. He said to go and serve people and love people. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. And if you care about your salvation, then you should care about your neighbor's salvation just as much if you're going to love your neighbor as yourself. Right? Think about that. That's a... That like somehow a few years ago that hit me and I was like, oh, like I'm supposed to care about their salvation as much as my own. Let that sink in. Mark 9, uh, beginning of verse 14. So the guys, they all, you know, they're done. Elijah, Moses leave. They start to walk down off the mountain. They come down and this is what they find. When they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. Don't we do a good job as religious people to argue a lot? <laughs> I mean, don't the religions of the world 
argue a lot. Well, this is, this is what's happening. It's playing out. Happened then, happens now. They saw a great crowd, scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, another bold risk. Jesus is there. Everybody's arguing. Everybody could have went. I don't know. He started it. Right? I probably would have done that. I'm just saying. I'd have been like, I don't know. Someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. That's a bold risk. And I carried him here. I brought him here. And now I need you. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I ask your disciples to cast it out and they were not able. When a child is in the grip of spiritual and physical poverty church, it impacts the child, it impacts the family, it impacts the entire community. You see, this man, he brings his child to Jesus. He does the right thing. He takes a bold risk to travel from who knows how far. And he brings his son there and he just lays him at the feet of Jesus. May we lay down whatever we're holding at the feet of Jesus to see what Jesus will do with it. Church. So they bring the boy. The spirit saw him immediately and convulsed the boy and he fell on the ground and he rolled about foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the father some questions. He says, how long has this been happening to him? Well, you know, the boy's over here rolling around. And so the father answers and, and tells Jesus. And, and then the father says, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. 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 When a child's impacted, when a child is suffering, it should impact, it does impact a community. You see these things roll downhill. I mentioned a minute ago ch child trafficking. When a family's in such desperate need that they'll sell their kid into trafficking, that impacts a community. Because when a family's in that desperate of a need, somebody's going to step up to take advantage of that need. And then other people are going to step up to use that child. And it all just snowballs. Church, we have an opportunity to make a difference in the lives of kids and families and communities. When we help a child, it impacts a family. It impacts the community. It helps everybody. Jesus says in Mark 9, 19, what we should all be saying, church, bring him to me. You see, when, when faced with somebody suffering, Jesus says, bring him to me. And he tells his followers to do the same things. The man says, if you can do anything, and Jesus is like, if you can. And he says, all things are possible for one who believes. That's good news. That doesn't, Jesus didn't tell the man, all things are possible for somebody who works hard enough, does all the right things, has the right whatever. If you pay me enough, we'll make it good. 
If you give enough, we'll make it good. If you serve enough, we'll make it good. If you check all the boxes of religion, I'll help your kid. No, Jesus doesn't say any of those things. Jesus says, bring him to me. And then Jesus says, if you believe, all things are possible. Church, that's good news. That's good news. Number one, I, I want to I point out a few things, church. Number one, as a Christian, we should be taking bold risks. If we're not, we're probably missing out on the plan of God in our lives. I think it's simple. I think that if we're not taking risks, if we don't feel risk in our lives, in the way that we serve, in the way that we give, in the way that we pray, in the way that we go, then there's something missing and we are missing something. God's not missing something. As a Christian, we should be taking bold risks. We should be living audaciously for Christ. Listen, if you're feeling stuck, stagnant, stifled, if your feet are still, I want to challenge you today to walk in the direction that God has for you. I want to challenge you today to take steps of faith. Number two, sometimes we all get distracted from our purpose. <laughs> Peter on the mountain. Remember, just focus on Jesus. When God said, this is my son, listen to him. I think that was for them, but I think it was also for us. Number three, sometimes our willingness to be audacious for Christ will mean that we get to see the miracle. There are moments, there have been moments in my life since I came on with Manna in 2015 and started living uh, this life of missions um, that God was more real to me than ever before. There have been moments where I look back and I go, God orchestrated that to happen then with that person and it had to be exactly that way or else nothing would have happened. Don't miss the miracle. And kind of a PS to, to this, this one is remember, touch not the glory. Um, and let me define that. Um, Somebody, somebody said it actually in one of our manna meetings last year and it stuck with me. Um, but when we begin to get involved in all that God is doing, when we give and we serve and we go and we pray and we do all these things and we're taking steps of faith forward, Satan is going to try to step in the gap before you take the next step and he's going to try to say some of it was because of you. He's going to try to say, you did that because you're good. He's going to try to say, was that really God in that moment? Touch not the glory. Know that if I didn't step out in faith, someone would. But I wouldn't get to be a part of it. Like, what an incredible thing to know is that God wants to use you 
And he wants to use you, and he wants to use you, and he wants to allow us to be a part of this mission to serve and love and care for people and make an impact in this world and the next. Let me, let me ask you to do something. This part's interactive. Um, everybody raise your right hand as high as you can. If your right arm's broke, raise your left. I don't see anybody in a sling, so... Okay, you guys are rule followers. I like it. Um, okay, so everybody up? Right hand? All right, good. Now raise it a little higher. Not rule followers. Okay, you can put it down. Okay, so I thought you were rule followers because everybody raised their hand as high as they could when I said raise your hand as high as you can. And then I said raise it a little higher, and guess what? Everybody went a little higher. Didn't you? Be honest, this is church. <laughs> Thou shalt not. Um, why didn't you raise it as high as you could the first time? Why? Amber? No? Okay. <laughs> it's because, as people, we reserve just a little bit for us. We do. Right? That's our tendency. But I don't think that's the way it's meant to be. I think our tendency is to hold back just a little, but it's that just a little sometimes that means that we miss it. May we not get to the end of our lives, church, and realize that we could have lived more audaciously for Christ. I'd be willing to bet that nobody in their final breath says, you know, I wish I wouldn't have done as much for Jesus. I wish I wouldn't have served as much, loved people as much, given as much, gone on mission as much. Let me show you some pictures real quick. I have no idea what time I got up here. So this little girl is in one of our centers in um, Kathmandu, Nepal. She is a bright light. She and her family live across the street from the church and the nutrition center that Mana runs um, there uh, alongside Pastor Santosh and his wife, Sabitri. I was in uh, this center uh, in October with a mission team, and I, you know, you got 25, 30 kids running around, and it's crazy, and it's chaotic, and it's fun, and I said, okay, everybody sit down, be quiet, and they actually did pretty good, and they sat down, and they're like, okay, what? And I said, who here knew about Jesus before you came to this center for the first time? You know how many hands went up? Zero. Zero kids raised their hand. And I said, who knows about Jesus now? Boom, every hand goes up. They're baptizing kids. This little girl's older brother, uh, I got to see him stand before us and recite John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, so that whoever, whoever, even the little kids across the street who are from a Hindu family, who didn't have enough food, whoever believes in him will have everlasting life, will not perish, right? Like, whoever Believes in him. These kids are coming to know Jesus because people like you on the other side of the planet get involved. 
next photo is Asmita um, on the left there. Uh, well, I think she's on the, yeah, your left. Um, this kiddo, I met her last year for the first time when she came to our children's home. And she is just incredibly smart. Um, she's learned English faster than anybody else. Uh, she is attached at my hip when I'm there. Uh, she is, uh, I don't know, she may find her way to my family one day, who knows. Um, but these kids, they have a story. They have a story to tell. These kids, as they get older, we teach them about Jesus and we teach them to tell their testimony. And they're becoming little missionaries. Left and right, we have kids aging out of these children's homes and nutrition centers and things that are becoming little missionaries in their community. Samuel on the right uh, praises Jesus in a way that you would have to see to believe. Hint, hint. You should go with me. I want to introduce you to Samuel. I want you to see the way he worships because it's going to impact the way you worship. Some kids eating in one of our centers in our Bicepati Nutrition Center. And these girls are from a Hindu community, but here in the next couple weeks, these kids and a bunch of their friends from this nutrition center, we serve about 120 kids a day there, are going to present Jesus and the story of Jesus' birth to their Hindu community. And then, my favorite picture of all, if you click over two slides, and there's the kids eating, and the next slide, okay. This is Isa, and me and Isa have endeavored to take this photo every time I go back to Nepal. Um, we, I, I want one of these when she's 36. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> because she matters, church. The world says she doesn't. If it wasn't for a home and people who were willing to give, who were willing to serve, who were willing to take her into this orphanage there, I would have missed the moment. I don't know about you, but I need more moments like that. When you give through your church to support the church and all the this church does in this community and around the world. Whether it's time, talent, treasure, listen, I think it's meant to be a mixture of all three. Um, when you give to support projects like these, to support organizations like Man Worldwide, to support missionaries like the one that's speaking in the teen group next week, you should come, you should see her, you should hear her story. And you should know that these people that are doing these things that you hear about are not any better or any different than you. They're just willing to take a bold risk. God uses them. When you give, church, know that you're effectively saying, bring them to me and I'll bring them to Jesus. Church, may that be our posture. Bring them to me and I'll bring them to Jesus. 
So the good news is, here's the thing. People get nervous when anybody talks about money, right? Everybody breathe. One good time. All right. People get nervous when people talk about money. Here's the good news. All of the money to do all of the work that needs to be done for Jesus has already been raised. Right? The bad news is it's still with you. (laughs) It's still with me. That's the truth. If we get involved, as we get involved, lives will be changed. Communities will be transformed. Little kids won't get trafficked. There's an end to trafficking ahead of us somewhere. There's an end to hungry kids somewhere ahead of us. But it's not now, and so that means we've got work to do, church. And if not us, then who? Who does a better job of it than the church? So here's the thing. I've mentioned it a couple times. I want to mention it again, and then I'm going to close. I want you to come on a trip with me. I want you to get involved, not just giving, not just serving, not just going. Please give, please serve, please go in your community and tell somebody about Jesus. But listen, I want you to go and see what I've seen so that it can impact your heart. We have mission trips planned in 2024 to Nepal a few times in March, around October, and then the end of December, early January. Um, Plan to come. Let me introduce you to Isa, but you can't take that same picture. It's just me and her. Come to Cambodia. Cambodia with me in November. Come to Fiji with me in June. It's nice and toasty. I'd love to talk with you after service um, out in the foyer um, and tell you more about these trips tell you how you can get personally involved with Mana Worldwide, tell you how um, your giving matters um, to missions and to the work of the church. So listen, there's probably people here today and maybe watching online who um, haven't, uh, haven't gotten involved in this way before. There's probably a lot of you that have and that have been involved for years and years and tens of years, right? And I want to thank you um, for allowing me to come and share. I want to thank you for being, um, being a part of the work that's going on around the world. Um, and then I want to challenge you uh, to do more. I want to challenge you to step forward in faith and continue to step forward. Because I think that's, that's what there is for us as Christians. Um, Now, there may be people here listening uh, online or people here today who have not personally accepted Jesus as your Savior. And I want to tell you that all of this stuff that I talked about, serving these kids and feeding these kids and all of these things, is great. But it's not as great as knowing Christ. You see, Jesus tells us that he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life, that there's no, one to the Father except, uh, no way to the Father except through him. And I believe that, I know that, as I see that, as I see other uh, countries, as I see other uh, communities and the way that they worship and all the things that they try to do to work their way to Jesus. And let me tell you, the Bible tells us that there's no way that you can work your way to Jesus. He already did it all. He came and he lived a life that he didn't, he didn't have to live here. 
He came and he dealt with all of this, all of these people and all of this sin being thrown at him. And he came through it unscathed, church, and that should tell us something. That he's different than me and you. The world weighs on us, distracts us, deters us, messes us up and trips us, and we fall on our face. But Jesus didn't. He lived a perfect life. He died a sinless death. He gave himself on a bloody Roman cross for you and me. So that if we place our faith in him, we can be healed. We can be saved. We can know we're a child of God. But he didn't stay dead. That's the really good news. Because if he stayed dead, what happens then? But after three days, he rises, he walks out of the tomb. It was a borrowed tomb because he didn't need it that long. And he tells his followers, tell people this, if they believe in me, if they turn from their sin, and if they follow me, they can become children of God. That's what you have to do. I sat with a young lady in Nepal in October and I told her all of this and I said, uh, any questions? And she says, what do I have to do to follow Jesus as she's crying and, and tears welling up and she's from a Hindu family and so she thinks that she's got to do all of these things. And I said, there are no things because Jesus did it all. You just say, I trust you, I love you, I believe in you, I need you more. And you see what God does with you. So listen, if that's you today, I want to challenge you even now to say, God, I believe in you. I don't know what all that means. I don't know all the ins and outs. But I want to begin to walk with you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. God, thank you for these uh, people watching online and these people here in this room. Father, thank you that... This good news of the gospel um, will go forward. And God, that you allow us to be a part of it, a partner in it, in one way or another. Father, thank you for um, the kiddos that we get to serve around the world. Um, kids like Isa and Asmita, Samuel and Ajay and Bikram and Asha and Sagar. God, I thank you that you have changed their lives that you have impacted them in a way that can't be denied and that you'll continue to do that. Father, use us to serve and give and go and pray and love people as you have commanded us to do. And help us as we step into those things to know the direction you'd have us go. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.